Okay, so here we are, Grace Church. It's halfway through August, and we are heading into the fall. And as, as I've been praying and talking with the steering team and just thinking about where we're going, our sense is that there's a couple of crucial issues that the Lord wants to be working in our church, in Grace Church and through Grace Church as we head into the fall. Let me go over these areas. There's six of them. First of all, I, I think God wants us to be growing even more individually in living by faith in Jesus Christ so that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, so that every day of the week we'd be trusting Christ and walking with him, trusting, casting all of our cares upon him, fighting the fight of faith. So each of us growing and living by faith, that's crucial. I think God wants us to keep strengthening our marriages and our parenting, our families. That's why we're doing this parenting tune-up, as Kristen mentioned, so that we can be strong in our marriages, strong in our families. This is crucial. This is foundational. The Lord also wants us to be working with excellence in our jobs, shining with Jesus' glory in the way that we work, and showing the, the, the reality of Jesus with our honesty and our integrity and our, our productivities. He blesses us in that. So to be working for the glory of Christ. This fall, we want to see more people added into our home groups so they'll get the benefit of being part of this rich, warm, loving, encouraging, Christ-centered community of believers. Oh, we need more people drawn into these home groups. So that's where we're going this fall. We want to be branching out more home groups like Luke mentioned. We're just about ready to branch one from the MBZ group into Galifa City, but we want to branch two or three or four more home groups this fall. We need more home groups for the people God's bringing to us. And then we want to share the gospel with lost people. So God's got big things he wants to do in us this fall and through us as Grace Church this fall. And if we're going to do that, it's crucial that we have four, four spiritual rhythms strengthened in our lives. I get the picture of like a heartbeat, just, just like your physical heart beats with a, a rhythm which brings life to your body. So when you're saved, God gives you a new heart, and that heart beats with spiritual rhythms. And there's, there's four basic spiritual rhythms. Study of God's word, number one. Prayer, earnest, passionate prayer, number two. Fellowship, Christ-centered, meaningful, spiritual, real faith-building fellowship with other believers, rhythm number three. And then mission, which is another word for evangelism, rhythm number four. These four spiritual rhythms. So just like your physical heart does, you know, kind of lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. So your spiritual heart, like word prayer, fellowship mission, word prayer. Anyway, close, right? Something like that. So that's, that's where we're going this fall. And in order to prepare us for the fall, we need to strengthen these four rhythms in our lives. We want to strengthen the Word. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Strengthening prayer. That's next Friday. Strengthening fellowship. Lord willing, that's the following Friday. And then strengthening mission, evangelism, the last Friday. So that's where we're going. Now, this topic is crucial for every single one of us, these, these four rhythms. Even if you're not a member of Grace Church... If you're just visiting from out of town or just visiting to, to kind of check us out, which we're glad you're here, this is a crucial topic for you because it'll strengthen your Christian life and it'll help you understand what it would mean to become a member of Grace Church. 
So even if you're not a member here, this topic is crucial for you. And even if you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, this topic is crucial for you. We're glad you're here, by the way, if you're not yet following Jesus. Oh, and we, we pray, we long that maybe today would be the day when you would receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and as your Savior and as your heart-satisfying treasure. May today be the day when that happens. But even if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this, this topic of these four rhythms will be crucial for you because it'll help you understand what it would mean for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So this topic is crucial for each of us. Now, the, the rhythm we're going to focus on this morning is the rhythm of the Word. And the passage we're going to focus on is Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. And here's what I'm praying God's going to do. As I seek to open up this passage, I'm praying that God will use the truths in these verses to stir up in each of our hearts a deeper passion for God's Word, a deeper excitement about studying God's Word, reading God's Word, learning God's Word, that we would leave here and that as we head into this week, we would be setting aside time to, to read God's Word, to meet God in the truth of His Word. That's what I'm praying God will do through this passage this morning. So let's take a look at what David says, Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. Here's what David writes. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord which I think comes from meditating on God's word. So the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb powerful passage, Psalm 19, 7 through 10. Now, in this passage, David is talking about the written word of God. You can see how he describes the written word of God with five different phrases. Verse 7, the law of the Lord. Also, verse 7, the testimony of the Lord. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord. Also, verse 8, the commandment of the Lord. And then verse 9, the rules of the Lord. So those are five different phrases that all describe the written word of God. Now, at the time that David wrote this psalm, be about the year 1000 BC, David just had a small portion of the scriptures, probably the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, maybe a couple of others, Psalm 90 written by Moses. So, but he said a small portion compared to what we have today. We have 66 books here. So as the Old Testament history progressed, God raised up prophets who wrote the rest of the books of the Old Testament. And then as Jesus came, he raised up apostles who were gifted to write truth directly from God. That's the rest of the, the New Testament. And so we have now 66 books in the written word of God, the completed canon of Scripture. 
And so what David says about the written word of God in this passage applies to the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible that you're holding in your hand right now. So what David says applies to this book, the scriptures. And so I thought we'd start with this question. How much should we desire the word of God? Now let's just be honest. Just think about this last week, say, maybe last two weeks. As you look back on the past two weeks, how much have you desired, craved, longed for? I, I just need to read the Bible here. I just want to get some time to read the scriptures. How strong has your desire been for the word of God over this past week or two? Has it been strong? Like, I'd rather read God's word than, like, check Facebook. Or has it been weak, like, uh, maybe tomorrow? So what's been in your heart this last week or two? How much desire has there been? How much longing have you experienced for reading, studying, learning God's word? In verse 10... David tells us how much we should desire the word of God. It's a shocking statement. Look at what he says. More to be desired are they, that's all the descriptions David has just given us of the word, the written word of God, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. You know, to help us understand how much we should desire God's word, David gives us two illustrations, desire for gold and desire for the sweetness of honey. So let's just take those one at a time. Maybe one of these illustrations will hit some of you like the, like maybe the gold one will really resonate. Others of you like, no, you're more of a foodie. Okay, like honey sounds like a good thing to think about, but one of these will impact us. That's why David wrote both of them. So think about how much we desire gold. In that culture, gold was the highest form of money. So let's translate this into, into today's culture. Let's think about durhams. Okay, what if I had a bag up here with 10 million durhams in it? Okay, and I'm, gonna give this, I'm ready to give this to somebody here. Now, think about all the good that could be accomplished with 10 million durhams. How you could provide for yourself and for your family. How you could care for the poor. How you could advance the gospel. I mean, think about a bag of 10 million dirhams and think about how much you would desire that. Can you feel that? 10, I mean, think of what you could do, all the benefit of 10 million dirhams. Do you feel that? Now, what David is saying is that when you compare this bag of 10 million dirhams with God's word, God's word is more to be desired. That is, if you really looked at 10 million dirhams and God's word, you would desire God's word more. David is calling us in this verse, desire God's word more than gold, even much gold, even much fine gold, even 10 or 100 million dirhams. God's word is more to be desired than that. Do you feel how shocking that is? I mean, just let that resonate with you. Do any of us desire God's word that much? We all need to grow in this, don't we? I do, you do. But God's word 
is such that we ought to desire it more than gold, even much fine gold, even 10 or 100 million dirhams. Okay, how about this, this honey illustration? Now, every culture has different foods that would like picture like the ultimate in sweetness or tastiness. And, and honey was the Hebrew culture, you know, it, so maybe honey's not your thing. You might think about chocolate cake. Okay, you might think about cheesecake. Uh, I like Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Almond honey, because it has little chocolate-covered almonds in it, you know, okay? So, so just, just think about whatever for you is like, oh, that would be so sweet. I would, just, I would love the taste of that right now. Just think about that without getting too hungry yet, okay? Lunch is coming. Now, if you compared the sweetness of your favorite little dessert, delectable, tasty thing with the sweetness, the, the heart satisfaction, the soul pleasure that comes from God's word, David would say that the sweetness of God's word far surpasses the sweetness of honey and the drippings of the honeycomb or chocolate cake or cheesecake or even Haagen-Dazs honey almond ice cream with little chocolate-covered almonds in it. Now, as you, as you think about the Bible, is that how you feel towards the Bible? Do you understand that the Bible is to be desired more than a massive amount of money? And that the Bible is sweeter to you than the most tasty food or dessert. Do you see what David is saying? More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. What David is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying through David is, desire the word of God more than money, more than food, more than anything. That's what he's saying. And all of us need to grow in that. Don't we? We all do. Now, here's the good news. I love how God writes the scriptures. Because God doesn't just say, desire it. God gives us reasons why. The reason we don't desire God's word more is because we don't see clearly enough what God's word is. If we saw more clearly what God's word is, we would desire God's word more. And that's what I'm praying God will do because in this passage, David gives us four reasons why we should desire God's word that much. Why we should desire God's word more than massive amounts of money or more than the sweetness of honey. Why we should. But now let me just give you two pictures before we get to those reasons about what it would look like to desire God's word that much. I want to give you a picture. These are both from church history. The first one is from a church in Wales, England. It's a description of this church written around 1860. And this church had been captured by the word of God. And listen to how this church is described. The word of God was their daily food. One of them said that he did not think anyone now neglected reading the Bible. Another said that he read a chapter every morning. And another said that he could not stop reading until he had read three or four chapters. He is learning the epistle to the Hebrews by heart. And often stays up until 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning reading over the scriptures. After the family has gone to bed so that he can have quiet in the kitchen, which is the only other room in the house. 
It's a beautiful description of a church in Wales. And that's what God wants Grace Church to be like. These people desired God's word more than gold, even much fine gold. And they saw that it was sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And so they were in the word. They loved God's word. It wasn't a duty. It wasn't this kind of religious thing you're supposed to do to, to earn credit with God. No, they, they opened up God's word. They met God. They loved God. It's like when I was in, in Northern California at, at going to university, during the summers I lived in the same city, and, and Jan, Jan Vota at the time, went back to her home, which was hours away, and she, she wrote me some letters. And I loved reading those letters. I loved those letters because they were from Jan. It was, the, it was the closest representation I had of Jan Vota at that time. It wasn't like, I, I, I ought to read the letter from Jan again today. It's my duty. No, I just, I just, let me just read that one more time. Oh, I just, I love this woman, you know? So that's why we read the scriptures because we meet God in the truth of his word. God is our prize. God is our portion. God is our treasure. We were made for the joy of knowing God. And the closest way to experience that joy is to meet God in the truth of his word. That's what this church in Wales had experienced. Now, another illustration from church history. This is from Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to uh, interior of, in of China, in inland China, 1800s. Busy man. He was overseeing hundreds of missionaries in inland China, covering thousands of kilometers of territory. And yet listen to what his traveling companion said was Hudson Taylor's habit in the busyness of his travel. Here's what he said. Hudson Taylor would invariably get his quiet time with God, quiet time with God, an hour before dawn. Hey, what is that? Like an What's an hour before dawn? Like five in the morning? Okay. Anyway, it depends on the time of year. But anyway, an hour before dawn, when I awoke to feed the animals, I always found him reading the Bible by the light of his candle. No matter the surroundings or the noise in those dirty inns, he never neglected this. See, that's what it would look like to desire God's word more than gold, and to savor its sweetness more than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Oh, I want to get up and meet God. I want to meet my Savior. I want to behold him in the word again, cast all of my cares upon him, trust his promises, learn more about who he is. That's what God wants us to be, Grace Church. And that's what he's calling us to be. And like I said, David gives us four reasons in these verses for why we should desire God's word this much. Four reasons. And I'm praying that God will use these reasons, even right now as we're looking at them, that the Holy Spirit will come and use the truth of these reasons to increase our desire for God's word. And then I'll check in with you after we go over these four reasons and see what, what's happening in our hearts. So first of all, here's the first reason. It's because God's word is given to us by God himself. Now David emphasizes that five times in these verses. Verse 7, this is the law of the Lord. It's from God himself. Also verse 7, this is the testimony of the Lord. Verse 8, these are the precepts of the Lord. Also verse 8, this is the commandment of the Lord. And verse 9, these are the rules of the Lord. So five times in these verses, David emphasizes that this book is given to us by God himself. Now, just ponder what this means. 
there really is a God who has created everything, who's created you. That's why you're here. He's existed from eternity past with no beginning, and then he spoke, and a universe existed, which includes you, and he's ruling over you and all your circumstances and everything. He's God. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's sovereign. He's awesome. And God has given us a book. God's given us his word. He's not left us in the dark. He's given us the scriptures. This is God's communication to us, God's revelation to us. If I told you that some archaeologists had made an amazing discovery, they had been digging and they've discovered a, a, a communication, a, a, a document which is written to us, and, and this is from God himself. God has written something to us. Would you be interested in, in reading it? Absolutely, and you should be. Well, see, you're holding that document in your hands. This is God's communication to us. The God of the universe hasn't remained silent. The God of the universe has communicated to us. He has spoken to us, and you're holding his written communication in your hands. This is the book of God. And you have a copy of it. And you can know exactly what God is saying and what God is, is talking to you about and what God wants to make known to you. You have it. God's book. Do you love this book? Do you love having a book from God? What an amazing gift he's given to us. So that's the first reason. Because it's been given to us by God himself. Second reason. It's because it's perfectly true. Notice all the words in verses 7 through 9 to describe the truthfulness of the Bible. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Again, verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. Verse 8, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Verse 9, the rules of the Lord are true. So what David is saying is that God's word is perfectly true. Have you ever gotten directions from someone about how to get someplace and they gave them to you wrong? Anybody ever been misled by Google Maps where Siri told you the wrong thing to do? Siri, okay? That will never happen to you with God's word. Never will God mislead you or give you wrong directions. You can count on God's word. It's absolutely perfectly true. Think about it like this. Imagine all the books that have ever been written, all piled up here in front of us, thousands and thousands and thousands of books, all these books that have ever been written. And, and you want to find the books that are perfectly true, that will never mislead you in any way, never deceive you, never give you anything that's wrong or that's inaccurate. You want to find, you know, out of all those thousands of books, you want to find the books that, were the, that are perfectly true, that will never mislead you, never, never be mistaken. Out of all those thousands and thousands and thousands of books, there's only one book that's perfectly true. And it's God's Word. You're holding it in your hands. As you Build your life upon this book. This book will always be the rock-solid foundation. It'll never be quicksand. It's like, oops. You'll never say, oops, 
when you're building your life on God's word. As you follow the directions, you will always get to where God says you will go. Perfect truth is in his word. So not only is this book given to us by God himself, amazing, but this book is the only book that contains perfect truth. Not only that, third reason, it makes us wise. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Okay, we're all simple in the sense that we find ourselves here on planet Earth, and we don't know what's going on. Who are we? Why are we here? What's, why is this place so messed up? I mean, what's, it's got beauty, but it's also got horrible, ugly things that people do. What's going on here? So we find ourselves here on Earth. We don't know what's going on. But God has not left us in the dark. God has given us his word so that we would have wisdom about the most important questions. And so God, in his great kindness, his great love, he doesn't just say, figure it out. He says, here, here's what's going on. And so God's word answers the most important questions that we will ever have. For example, why are we here? Because God created us. That's why. Well, why did God create us? Really important question. So that we can have the joy, the eternal joy of beholding him, fellowshipping with him, worshiping him. That's why God created us. So we're here because God created us. That's why he created us. So what's the problem with the world? Sin, Adam and Eve, and all of us. We've all turned our backs. We've rebelled against God. The world has come under God's curse. That's why this world is so messed up. That's the problem, sin. What has God done to save us? He's loved us. He sent his own son, Jesus, to be punished in our place for our sin so we can be saved, forgiven, restored, reconciled to him. So what do we need to do to be saved? Turn from our sin. Trust Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, as our treasure. We'll be saved, we'll be forgiven, we'll be born again, we'll be restored to God. What should our lives focus on then? Well, strengthening our faith, encouraging the faith of our brothers and sisters, leading people to faith, that's what our lives should focus on. And then where's this all headed? To eternity, eternal heaven, eternal hell. That's where everything's headed. Live in light of eternity. So the most important questions that human beings ask are answered perfectly truthfully in God's word. So you hold in your hands the wisdom you need for the most important questions human beings can ever ask. You have the answers right here in front of you. Oh, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. One more reason, fourth reason. It's because... All right, one more illustration about the wisdom one. I used to backpack uh, with my dad, and Jan came twice, actually. Um, backpacking, you're out in the wilderness, and let's just say you're backpacking out in the wilderness, and, and you've heard that some of the trails lead to, like, canyons or, or cliffs where you could fall off and die, or swamps full of alligators, or dry deserts with no water. So, you know, some of the trails lead to disaster, but, but there's one trail that leads to Paradise Valley. 
And so there you are backpacking and you don't know which trail is which. But now what if on, before you left for your backpacking trip, someone, someone gave you a map? Here's a map. This will tell you every trail, which trails to avoid, which trail to take. Now, do you think on that backpack trip, would you open up the map? Do you think you'd like study it? Maybe like even every day? So now which trail are we on now? And it's like, I think, I think that's the one. No, don't go on that one. Ah, yes, go on this one. Do you think you'd, you'd study the map carefully and follow the map carefully? See, that God's given us perfect truth, all the wisdom we need for the most important questions we have. It's like a map for backpackers. It'd be foolish for those backpackers just to leave that map rolled up in their pack. Let's check it out. Which trail should we go on? Love God's word. Okay, that was... Had to sneak that one last illustration in. Now, one last reason. Oh, this is so precious. It's because it changes our hearts. I would guess some of you, maybe you're thinking, I'm just not a religious person. I'm not a spiritual person. I just have no interest in spiritual things, whatever. My heart's just not there. I've got good news for you. This book, God says, can change your heart. Or maybe you're, you're following Jesus, but, but you're feeling far from God. Maybe there's some temptation that's like overwhelming you. Maybe there's some worry that's just really weighing you down that you're really struggling with. I've got good news for you. This book can change your heart. Look at what David says in, in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Wow. Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Do you want your heart rejoicing? Okay. This is where to get the joy you're looking for. Look at verse 8 also. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Okay, see, every follower of Jesus, we all will have times when we're feeling far from God. When we're feeling like our spiritual vision is hazy, we're just not seeing God very clearly. I'm just, I'm just not seeing the cross very clearly. I'm, I'm just seeing all these other things. We'll have times where we're being tempted. We'll have times where our, our belief is weak. We'll have times where we're feeling discouraged. I mean, to be honest, this last week, last four days have been a time of spiritual struggle for me. So we just got back from the States. So kind of all the you know, readjusting to being back in Abu Dhabi. Uh, the jet lag, which you know, most of you are familiar with. And then just my own, my own sinful heart all kind of worked together. I was discouraged. I was fearful. I was feeling really far from God and just like not seeing things clearly. It was kind of a scary place to be. But knowing I was going to preach on this passage, verses 7 and 8 were so helpful. Reviving the soul. God, that's what I need. Rejoicing the heart. That's what I need enlightening the eyes. That's what I need. And so numerous times over these past four days, I've stopped and, and prayed over scriptures. And one scripture that especially has helped me, Isaiah 58, 11. I would encourage you to jot this reference down. The Lord, here's what Isaiah says, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Is that relevant for Abu Dhabi or what? Okay, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. 
Oh, I tell you, as I prayed over that promise, the Holy Spirit used the truth of that verse to revive my soul, to rejoice my heart, to enlighten my eyes. He, he met me these last four days. And so I just want to encourage you, where do you turn when you are feeling out of sorts, when you're feeling far from God? Don't make the mistake of thinking, I couldn't read the Bible now. I'm not feeling spiritual at all. It wouldn't work. Do you see how foolish that is? That's like saying, well, don't go to the doctor now. You're sick, right? Get healthy first. I mean, no, you, sick people, you go to the doctor to get well. When our hearts are out of sorts, we go to the Word to have our hearts be revived. So when your heart is feeling full of unbelief or full of discouragement or full of lust or full of pride or full of bitterness towards someone or just whatever it might be, you need to go to the Word. Because the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God will meet you in the power of the Scriptures. Now, you've, just, you've got to trust Him because I know, like this last week, your heart is feeling so low, it's like nothing's going to change this. Nothing's going to change this heart. This heart's just cold, stone, hard heart. Nothing's going to happen here. I'm, like, I'm going to open up the Bible. Yeah, right. It's going to change anything? Yeah, right. It'll totally change your heart. It will change your heart. God promises. You might need to linger, pray, think about the truths that you're reading. Maybe call your home group leader and say, what would be a good verse? Here's what's going on. Or somebody else in your home group, what scriptures might be helpful? Get some help there, right? And such as any verse, you want to be strategic in choosing verses. But as you do that and pray over them, God will meet you. So this book is from the God of the universe. It's perfect truth. It's wisdom for the most important questions we have, and it will change our hearts, bring us the satisfaction and the joy that we're looking for, because that's found in God, and we will meet God as we open up His Word. More to be desired are they than gold, even much gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. God's Word. Mwah. Love God's Word. Do you love God's Word? So I'm praying that God has now used those four, four truths, that slowly the Holy Spirit has taken those truths, and, and is, is your desire for God's Word growing? I haven't seen, nobody's run out of the room ready to go read the Word. Of course, we're, we're reading it right here, so that's okay. You don't need to leave. But is your desire for God's Word growing? Oh, Grace Church, desire God's Word. We have every reason to. This is a book from God. It's perfect truth, the wisdom we need, and it'll change our hearts. Which means there's never an excuse not to read it. It's like, well, I'm feeling so far from God. Perfect. Start reading, right? Well, I'm full of unbelief. Exactly. Start reading. Well, I'm full of pride and lust. Bingo. Start reading, okay? You hear that? So I want to call you to develop a rhythm in your life of regular reading and study of God's Word. Are, are you doing that? And it's not just me calling you. God's calling you to do that. That's what God calls you to do. Food for our souls. So if you've already been with that rhythm, don't let it become a duty. That's a danger. If there's been no rhythm, let's establish that rhythm. And let me give you a couple of suggestions. Six suggestions. Number one, 
This is how we can grow in reading God's word. Number one, regularly ask God to increase your desire for his word by praying over Psalm 119, 36. Jot that verse down. I, I pray this prayer almost every time I start to read God's word. Incline my heart to your word and not to selfish gain. When you're asking God to incline your heart to something, you're saying, make me want this something. Make me want your word now more than watching the Olympics or checking my email. Make me want your word now more than checking Google News or whatever it might be. Make me want your word more than shopping or make me want your word. Pray that and he will answer that. Incline my heart to your word, not to selfish gain. That's number one. Regularly pray that. Number two, regularly ask God to teach you his word by praying over Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes to behold wonderful things from your law. We've all had times where we've been reading, it's just like, I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. This just isn't working for me. Pray. Father, help me. It's my sin that's blinding me now. I'm not going to blame you. It's my sin, but... Lord, bring me your grace upon me. Open my eyes. Help me to see what's in the word. Help me to see what's, what's the truths that are here. He will answer that prayer. You'll start to see, oh, look at that. Look at who God is. Look at what Jesus has done. Look at what his promises are. This is beautiful. You'll start to see. But we've got to pray. Open my eyes. Number three, commit to a time and choose a quiet, undistracted place for your Bible reading and prayer. If you don't commit to a time, if you just say, well, you know, I'll read the Bible, you know, when I, when I can, you never can. You're all so busy, right? So choose a time. I would encourage you to go first thing in the morning. Um, Hudson Taylor, an hour, one hour before dawn. But if you can start off the day with the word, the word will frame your whole day. It'll, it'll be the, the bubble you're in all day long, the cloud of blessing that you're under all day long. So commit to a time, choose a quiet and distracted place. Number four, I would encourage you to use a literal translation for your regular Bible reading. There's lots of versions out there, lots of versions that are paraphrases. Paraphrases aren't bad. They're very helpful tools as a supplement to a more literal translation. A paraphrase tells you what somebody thinks the Bible means, and that can be helpful. But what I want is a translation that gives me what the Bible says. I want to hear what God says, not what somebody else thinks it means. And so I would encourage you a literal translation. I would encourage, I mean, I use the ESV, which is, I think, a good combination of literal and readability. Um, and again, don't not use paraphrases, but have the Bible that you study, the Bible that you memorize, the Bible that you meditate on be a translation showing you what God actually says in his word. So I would encourage you along those lines. Um, also, by the way, uh, there's lots of good devotional books. And there's lots of good Christian books, but don't ever let those take the place of you reading the Bible. I want the Bible, okay? Other books can be helpful. I read lots of other Christian books, but never let that take the place. Your aim should be to, to read the Bible. So important. Okay, now, uh, number five, plan what you'll read ahead of time. Have a plan. Don't just say, well, what should I read this morning? That just never works for me. Have, have, have a plan so that you're reading through the Bible on a, on a regular basis, so that you're reading Genesis to Revelation 
could be in a year, could be in five years. That's not important. What's important is that you're reading strategically through the Bible. We have some Bible reading plans on our website that you can check out. I use one of those, find it very helpful. Others find it helpful like to take one book and to read it five times, 10 times, 20 times before they move on to the next book. That could be helpful. There's lots of ways to make it work, but to be regularly reading through the Bible. Grace Church, every one of us needs to be reading through the Bible on a regular basis. Learning the Bible. I tell you, Jan and I have been reading through the Bible um, for years now. And there's a cumulative effect. You will grow. It can seem totally daunting when you get started. But just start by God's grace. Five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you'll be so glad that you did. Start reading the Bible through Genesis to Revelation. I mean, you can go in whatever order you want, but just so you're reading the whole Bible. One last suggestion. When your motivation weakens, which it will, oh, Satan's going to try very hard to keep you from reading his word. Either the word will keep you from Satan or Satan will keep you from the word. It's one or the other. So when your motivation weakens, what should you do? Remind yourself of these four reasons we've seen in Psalm 19. Pray over these four reasons. Say, God, help me to believe these. Help me to see these. This book is given to you by God himself. It's not just a book. This is a book from God. Amazing. It's perfectly true. It will never mislead you. Everything else will mislead you. This will never mislead you. Perfectly true. It makes us wise on the most crucial, important questions that we have, and it will change our hearts, bring us into the very presence of God. Given to us by God himself, perfectly true, makes us wise, changes our hearts. So Grace Church, let's move into this fall being a church which has a rhythm, a regular rhythm of reading, studying, meditating on, praying over the very word of God. That'll strengthen you, It'll strengthen us, and it'll be a foundation for all that God wants to do in and through us this coming fall. Let's stand together. I want to just pray this, and I want to just give you a chance just to say, Lord, what should I do? Just right now, ask the Lord, just in the quietness of your heart, Lord, what are you calling me to do? When, how, where? You might need to talk to your husband about, you know, is there a time when you can... Uh, take care of the kids so I can get some time to, to, get, to get in the Word. But ask the Lord, what, what would He have you do? Father, I pray that you would guide us right now. I pray that you'd speak to us right now. You have a, a call on each of us for what you want happening between us and you and your Word. So I pray right now, Lord, give us wisdom through this afternoon. Give us wisdom. What are you calling us to do? And I pray that this week we would be growing in the word, that this week we would be reading your word, that this week we would be meeting you in the truths of your word. I ask this in Jesus' name.